have a Bible nearby, let's go to the Old Testament. Let's go to Second Chronicles, chapter 20. Thanks to the band. How about that new song, huh? Pretty good? Alright. Three people liked it. That's cool. That's fine. That's fine. Um, we, uh, we had a super strong uh, season of Advent. Uh, and so let me just thank everyone for, um, for all of the, uh, all the thing, the events that we had planned and, uh, for the Sundays and for, uh, just giving so freely. I'm not sure what our last total was. Angel, you know our current number for India at this point? Around $9,600, uh, came in through the, uh, the offering for Hope of Life. So we're $9,600 closer, uh, to purchasing land. Uh, for our rescue home in, uh, Calcutta. And so, uh, and that's, that's a tremendous amount of money, uh, to, uh, for, for our church, uh, to gather together, especially, uh, given the economy, blah, blah, blah. Uh, sounds like people really did pray and seek the Lord and, uh, really go for it in that sense. And so, um, what a, what a tremendous reflection of what Advent is all about, that we would give, uh, 9,000 plus to, to a cause that looks like Jesus, and so um, such a just a really great season uh, leading up to this point uh, in our community groups last fall, we talked about the kingdom of God and went through the Sermon on the Mount, and so lots of kingdom talk, and uh, and so I want to sort of continue that, except I want to talk specifically uh, about like one aspect of kingdom living that's uh, super important um, in the in the kingdom of God, uh, we get to we get to know the King. Um, we live in a country with a president, but none of us have the like have the fortune of of knowing him. Uh, we may be able to count the degrees of separation between us and him, but no, none of us know him. Uh, there are uh, very few of us uh, who who know authority figures in a personal sense. You know, presidents, governors, uh, powerful people, you know, kings of nations, all that kind of stuff. There. We don't live in a in a world where that kind of accessibility is there. Uh, there are some churches where you don't even know your own pastor, you know. So we we really we understand the fact that that um, that we're separated in those senses. But in the kingdom of God, uh, everybody has 100% full access to the King, and um, not only do we have access to Him, but He wants He wants us to have access to Him. Uh, he, when when we approach Him, we're not bothering Him, you know. Um, when we ask for his, uh, I'll just call it input on something, he's not rolling his eyes, you know, in response. He's not saying, "Look, I really have better, I have other things to tend to, or whatever." When we come to him and we and we, and we seek him, um, he he digs that. That's what the kingdom of God looks like, and um, and so prayer is is such a such an important aspect of kingdom living, um, and one that we really uh, like. You just we can't dig into it enough. We can't implement it enough. We can't live in this reality uh, enough. Like this is something that we have to keep growing in or in and uh, that kind of stuff. So we're gonna look. We're gonna look at, the, at an Old Testament example. It's one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. I've taught on it many times. Um, and we're gonna so we're gonna look at uh, King Jehoshaphat. Which, by the way, we have lots of pregnant people in our church now. We have lots of young ones that have very strong. Biblical names. Uh, I'm calling dibs on Jehoshaphat. 
Um, if if I should ever have a, a a child, I'll name a girl Jehoshaphat if I need to. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and go on record now. It's on the podcast. I have dibs. If you name your kid Jehoshaphat, we will have issues. Okay? Um, I'm sorry. All right. So look at uh, 2 Chronicles 20. Here's what's happened up to this point. I'm sorry. Um, uh, so Jehoshaphat, has he's made some, some pretty... Uh, pretty strong reforms, both in in like religious in a religious sense and in a judicial sense. Um, he's had a, he's had a good run so far. He's one of the one of the good kings, and so uh, this is just just a great great story. And so I want us to really look at what we can learn about prayer from his uh, his example, um, especially with thirty days of prayer coming up uh, next week and stuff. We'll talk about that later. Um, so we'll just go through the story. Uh, start with verse one. It says, after this, uh, the Moabites and Ammonites, and with them some of the Minyanites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Okay, so, so that's three people group, people groups that are coming after, after them, that are in pursuit and coming to attack them. Verse 2, some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazan Tamar, that is, in Gedi. Then, just, then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord from all the cities of Judah that came to seek the Lord. Okay, so we're going we're to pause right there. Look back at verse 3. Um, so Jehoshaphat has just gotten word. There's not one, but three armies are coming to attack them. And uh, and he, uh, if you if you were to read the previous couple of chapters, he had, like I said, he was a good king. He'd done some good things, but he kind of had like a mess up, you know, here or there or whatever. And uh, and at this point, there were times when um, when armies would come and it would be political, uh, or it would be like a normal, you know, tension between nations kind of thing. There are other times when God would send judgment, you know, through that. And so um, at this point, he probably doesn't know which one it is, you know. Is this uh, is this just a normal political threat, or is this um, God um, kind of uh, are these the consequences of my disobedience? You know, because he kind of had a slip up or whatever. And so, um, so look look at his reaction to getting this news as the king. Verse three says Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord. Okay, so so let's let's break this down into kind of three three deals. There's there's this circumstance that he finds out what's what's re- coming. This great multitude. Um, is coming to attack his people. That's the situation that he is presented with. Okay, then he has he has an emotional reaction, which this verse says that he was afraid, which I think we all would be. And then there's his his response to the to the circumstance and to the emotion. His response is to seek the Lord. And look what it says: uh, he set his face to seek the Lord. That, there's intentionality there. Okay, so um, circumstance. Emotional response, and then uh, I'm sorry, emotional reaction. And then his response is to seek the Lord. Uh, we can learn a ton from from those three things that are happening here, because this is a pattern. This is something that we live with in daily life all the time. Okay, there are there are these circumstances and there are situations, and life is just kind of always it's always kind of unfolding, always kind of happening in front of us. You know. And every time, uh, every time something happens, uh, situations change, there's a shift or some sort or whatever, every, it always evokes some sort of emotional 
uh, reaction in us every single time. So circumstances in all kinds of areas of life, it, it could be it could be something at work, you know. Um, maybe your maybe your boss, you know, calls you in and says, uh, "Hey, hey, we're gonna we're gonna give you a raise." Okay, that's that's a good circumstance. Um, maybe the boss says, "Hey, we're gonna have to let you go." That's not so good circumstance. Um, maybe you know, there's maybe there's tension with coworkers or something like that. Maybe you know, well, it could be all kinds of stuff at work. It could be all kinds of stuff with with uh, friendships. Um, there could be friendships that are going really well, unless you know, maybe maybe the circumstance is is you have coffee with a friend and it is just the biggest blessing ever. You know, just you just life giving. You know, that's a good thing. Um, maybe maybe you have coffee with a friend and you find out that another friend has betrayed you. Okay, not not so good, uh, or whatever. Um, there could be circumstances that shift financially. You know, you might you might find out that you have no money. You might find out that you have uh, tons of money. You might find out that your bank is charging weird fees and you didn't know it. You know, there's all kind of like just goofy stuff that goes on. You might find out that your 401k not doing so hot. Um, you might find out all kinds of things, you know, financially uh, that are going on. Um, that you know, those can be circumstances that change. If you're married, you know, there could there are all kinds of circumstances that could progress there. If you have kids, um, maybe you have a good kid day. Maybe you have a terrible kid day. Uh, you know, there's just all kinds of things. It's just kind of always rolling along. And it also rolls along in our relationship with the Lord. You know, sometimes we're in these seasons where there's just, I mean, like, there's just all kinds of fruit in, in your life and, and you just really, you feel like, like you're, you're just walking with Jesus just literally just every step you go. And then there are other times on the other extreme where you, you really feel like He just, like, is ignoring you on purpose just to be mean or something. You know, you just really, you feel like He's totally left you or whatever. Um, there's just all kinds of, of circumstances that are always Shifting and changing or whatever—that's that's life on the earth, and we should not be surprised when something changes, whether it gets better or whether it gets worse. That's just kind of how it goes. Um, so that's always going on, and every one of those, in whatever example you want to come up with, we emotionally uh, react to whatever that is. Good circumstance, we have a good emotional reaction. Negative circumstance, we have a negative emotional reaction. Um, and so the positive ones, those emotions, they can be joy, it can be peace, it can be security, it can be all kinds of good things. Um, on the negative side, it can make us afraid, it can make, a, make us doubt, it can make us insecure. Um, it could, it can just have us all kinds of, of whatever um, that we can respond to that. We, we have to, like, we have to not be, like, shocked by those two things happening. Okay? Circumstances change. We emotionally react to those things. That's that's life. And what's super strange is that like both there's things happening. Like think of, of like two like two columns. There's stuff happening in both columns every like all the time, every single day, every single day. And that's why sometimes you get to the end of the day and you're just completely worn out because you've had good and bad things happen all day long, and you've had healthy and unhealthy emotional reactions to things all day long. You get to the end, you're you're done. And it's time to go to bed and wake up and do it all over again the next day. You know, we can learn something from Jehoshaphat because he had a negative circumstance, he had a negative emotional reaction, and yet he set his face to seek the Lord. That was his bottom line response. And so, for us living in the kingdom with full access to the King, we we have to just all be on the same page about this of saying, no matter what happens in the circumstance column, no matter what happens in the emotional reaction column, we're always going to end up on the, in the same place. 
at the end of the end of the, of the day, at the end of the moment, the end of the morning, whatever, that we're always responding in a way that we set our face to seek the Lord. And most of us don't we don't really we don't land there when it's a good circumstance and a good emotional reaction. We're like, why well, seek the Lord in this? Well, I'll tell you why. Let's say let's say that your boss brings you in and says, guess what? We're gonna give you a twenty thousand dollar year raise and Whatever, all kind of whatever stuff. I don't even know how that stuff works. Anyway, really good news as an employer, employee. Um, so that that's really good. And then you have this really positive emotional re- reaction, which is yay. You know, the reason why you have to seek the Lord after after those two things happen is this: um, if you don't, if we don't come to that last place where we set our face to seek the Lord, what happens to a twenty thousand dollar raise? It becomes a boat. <laughs> it becomes a car. It becomes more, more clothing. It becomes more things that we really don't need if we don't seek the Lord. So the seeking the Lord in that becomes a place of, of gratitude, of, of thanking Him, because we know that money is just its tangible grace that flows into our lives to do two things. To, we talk about this all the time. To meet our needs and to meet the needs of other people. So seeking the Lord when you've gotten a raise and you're super happy about it, is to thank Him for the grace that has flown into your life and to seek Him and say, okay, what do you want me to do with the fact that, that I am going to be making more money now? How does, this, how does this keep me from being materialistic? How does this keep me from, from becoming the, the exact kind of person that I do not want to be? Um, who can I bless? How can I in, invest this? What does this look like when it comes to, to giving to the church? What does this look like in regard to just whatever? Um, we, you have to seek the Lord in those positive things, both from a gratitude standpoint and okay, how does this how does this affect my life in such a way that it brings you glory? What does that look like? And then in the negative, in the negative sense, that's that's pretty obvious, you know. Like let's let's say you find out that someone is like your best friend has betrayed you. That's the circumstance, and your emotional reaction is the opposite of yay, you know, like you just kind of want to kill him. Then you come to that last point, and you say, okay, uh, you set your face to seek the Lord, and you say, Lord, this. This is what's going on, and this is how I feel about it. You work yourself through the columns, and then you're and you're saying, uh, I, "I don't really know what a gracious, forgiving response looks like in this situation." But you died on the cross for people who were your enemies, so um, I, I want you to show me and teach me how to walk through this in such a way that is honoring to you, so that I don't give in to my emotional reaction just because of uh, some pretty cruddy circumstances. See, no matter what happens in this column, what happens in this column, living in the kingdom, we always land in, the, in that last place. We set our face to seek the Lord. It's good stuff, right? Makes sense. So, Jehoshaphat not only does that for himself, but since he's the king, and it's good to be the king, he brings the whole nation in on it as well, and he proclaims a fast for the, for the whole nation. Now, how, how awesome would that be? I mean, maybe not the not eating part. How, how awesome would it be for the leader of the nation to say, we're going to fast, and everybody says, awesome. We're going to fast. We're about to enter into our 30 days of prayer that we do every year. It's kind of, it's kind of the same thing. It's not the whole nation, but it is, it is the whole church. We don't have, you know, I'm not the king who's declaring it. Jesus is has done this in our congregation for years, and so it's really our the the king who's led it, leading us to do this and saying, "All right, everybody, let's get on board. Let's 
Let's focus in or whatever. Pretty cool stuff. Okay. Um, so look at verse 5. All right, so everybody's come together. The entire, the entire nation has gathered. And I'm assuming that Jehoshaphat has said, hey, all right, here's what's going on. We have three armies, a multitude that's coming to harm us, and uh, things aren't looking so good. So uh, I'm assuming everybody is in on the circumstances. Um, tell you what, don't look at verse 5. Look at verse 10. All right. We're going to skip five verses of his prayer, but we're going to come back to it. Okay. Verse 10, this is, this is the prayer that Jehoshaphat is praying before all the people that have gathered together for this fast. This is the mid, midpoint of the prayer. Verse 10. And now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy, Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Okay? So, um, what he does in this prayer is he, he processes through ex- exactly those three columns that we just went through. In front of everybody. He, he stands up in front of everyone and goes through this prayer and he works his way through that. And so I was kind of alluding and kind of walked through that a second ago, but that's, this is like a great part of like, okay, well, how do I, how do I attack things in prayer? Okay. Go, go through those columns. Like that seems, seems kind of like mechanical, but think about that. This is exactly what he's done. He, he prayed to God and explained the situation, not because God was clueless. God, he knows. He knows the circumstances. But it, it's healthy for us to walk through that, to pray through that, to, to say, God, this, this, is how, this is what's going on, and this is how I feel about it. So, what he, so him, in him talking to, to the Lord, he's saying, these are nations that we didn't destroy when we came in because you told us not to, and now they're repaying us this way, this is what's going on. And he closes out, and he says, we don't know what to do. That's his emotional reaction at this point. We don't, we're clueless. We're clueless. He moves that, that last point. But our, but our eyes are on you. Like we're looking to you. We're seeking you. We want to know what to do. We, we don't know what to do about these armies that are invading us. Um, but we're looking to you. Okay? So when, when you and I, whatever it is that we're going through, literally, like, literally, explain the situation to God. Like I said, he knows everything. Explain it. But then spend some time talking about how you feel about it. This is, this is the, like, so many of, of the Psalms of David and the other Psalm writers, it does this exact same thing. It says, this, this is what's going on. And this is how I feel about it. Um, this is what I know to be true. This is, this is how I'm going to respond to that. I think a lot of times people, like, people who are, uh, professing Christians and we're trying to grow, people don't pray because they think they know how to pray, but they really don't. You know? Or you think that praying is, I talk to God and God talks back to me, but when I talk to God, I don't hear Him talk back to me, so I must be doing it wrong or whatever, and you get frustrated and you stop. But we need to let the, the Spirit equip us in how, in, in how to pray through this example 
by understanding that we just, just process through the circumstances with the Lord. Process through your emotional reaction through the Lord and then get to a place where you're like, I have, I'm clueless about how to do this. Or, or even admit to Him, like, I think I know how to handle this because I think I'm pretty awesome. However, what I really need is I need you to speak into this because you are the king. And this is your king. Now, the reason I skipped to verse 10 is because I want us to see uh, before this column, before this column, before this column, there's two other columns that he adds in, uh, in his prayer. Kind of starts off his prayer, verse 5. It says, And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. The first, the way he starts his prayer, he doesn't jump right into circumstances. He starts off by proclaiming who God is. To God himself. Almost as if, almost as if he's reminding God who he is. Like, like God's forgotten or something. But, but think about the power of that. Think about how phenomenal that is. When you start your prayers, not with, this is what happened, this is how I feel about it, now you tell me what to do. And you start your prayers with, I know exactly who you are. This is who I know you to be. Through the Scriptures, through reality, this is who you are. This is who I am praying to. This is the King who welcomes me into His courts. This is the God of the universe who knows every hair on my head, who knew me before I was born, every second of every day. Um, the one who made me fearfully and wonderfully in his own image, who loves me dearly, who left heaven, came to earth to die so that I could be with him forever. The good shepherd, this is who I'm praying to. That's how he starts. Then, he doesn't jump from there to circumstances either. He jumps into this other column. Look at the, look at the next verse. Uh, verse 7. So, did you not our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and say. He goes from who God is to what God has done. And who they are as His people. And how He has walked with them and how He has stepped them through things. And the promises that they have made to Him and the promises that He has made back in response. And, and, and that's where He goes next in His prayer. So it starts off who God is, and then it's what He's done and why why they have every reason to trust Him and to call out to Him. And then it's, now this is what's going on. This is how I feel about it. I don't know what to do. But my eyes, they're on You want to talk about a healthy, uh, healthy prayer arc to go through? Want a, a healthy way to process things, to walk through life? Start there. Who He is, 
what he's done and why you should trust him, what's going on, how you feel about it. And then you listen. You wait. Super different than jumping in halfway. Super different than jumping in just to the emotional side. The Lord told me a long time ago, and he, the Lord, when I say that, I know sometimes it sounds weird people say that, but he spoke to me very clearly one night and said, I was praying about something, praying about something, just going for it, you know. And he said, Josh, I'm, I'm not a magic eight ball. Some of you probably have no idea what that is, aside from an iPhone app. Uh, I made this toy, it looked like, a, like an eight ball, you know. It's got this little triangle inside of it and this liquid or whatever, and you ask it a question and you shake it up. And then the, on the different sides of this like pyramid thing are different sayings or whatever, answers to your question, and you would ask it, you know, whatever. You know, should, I ma- should I major in quantum physics or astrophysics? I don't know, whatever. Shake up the magic eight ball and you wait. And I'll say, like, uh, ask again. You know, and you're like, ah, oh, whatever. And I was treating, that's how I was treating the Lord. Like he was just like supposed to just answer my questions, you know. Like he's a some sort of like divine Sherpa that was just gonna like guide me, guide me through life, but that but that was his only role. He's like, no, he's like, you're treating me. That's not what this is about. You're just coming to me because you want answers, because you want to mess up your life. And while we shouldn't want to mess up our lives, there's more to approaching the God of the universe than that. And when we pray like Jehoshaphat prayed, we pray like Jesus prayed. You know, when he starts off and the disciples are like, teach us how to pray, and he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He starts over here in this column. He doesn't jump right to give us our, this day our daily bread. He starts over here. So Jehoshaphat starts and does this, this arc. Jesus does the same thing. You, you read anything that Paul wrote, all the prayers of Paul, it always starts with who God is and what he's done. And, and sometimes he didn't even get to this stuff down here because he's so busy caught up being over here. Um, it would behoove us as we're learning how to pray and we're continuing to dig into this, to pray with, with that kind of maturity. People who live by faith and not by sight, they process their lives in this way. The people that you look at them and you say, I, I want to I model my life, of course, after Jesus, but like people who walk the earth, that you're like, I want to be kind of like them, they, I promise you, they do this stuff. They don't just fly through life and just kind of whatever to whatever. They spend time with the Lord being like, okay, I don't know what to make of this. I'm not sure what to do here with this really good thing or this really bad thing. I'm not sure what to do. But I know who you are and I know what you've done. And so in light of those things, here's what's going on. Here's how I feel about it. Now what do you, what do you have to say? And then you, you just wait and you listen. That's one of the things about prayer that, that we don't do very often. We don't do very well. Is, is sit in that moment. And let Him speak. Now, assuming that we're all on the same page, we understand that prayer arc. Look what happens next. Uh, verse 13. Killer verse right here. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. 
I think, think about a whole nation gathered together. The king has just offered up this prayer. And the last thing he said is, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And everybody, like, and this may not be how it was for real, but in my mind, like, everybody's, like, completely still. Completely, like, just a holy, holy moment. And uh, verse 14, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jahaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jeel, son of Mataniah, the Levite, sons of Asaph. Okay, all right, all that. Uh, in the midst of the assembly, and he said, so this voice pops up somewhere. It says, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. How amazing is that? How amazing would it be if every time we did that good, solid prayer arc and we get to that end moment and we're just there and we're listening and like you get a text message from the Holy Spirit and it's like, okay, here's what you need to do. But let's face it, that ain't how it works. Most of the time, uh, that doesn't happen, okay? I don't mean like a prophet stands up out of nowhere, but I mean like most of the time, we don't get this immediate, like, answer. It does happen. But not very often. I can count on one hand the number of times I've had those moments, like with, stop, I'm not, a, I'm not a magic eight ball, like those kind of like specific, like I said something and Jesus immediately answered back. Most of the time, uh, that's not how it goes down. But we, we have to know this as the people of God. That that, that prayer arc, when we get to that, that last point and we're saying, we're setting our face to seek the Lord, we say, my eyes are on you. He always responds to that. Every single time. But we, but we have to be mature enough to recognize that even His silence is a response. Even His silence is a response. We can't be so immature that just because we don't hear, hear some audible voice, that we pitch a little fit and give up and stop praying about it. If we're faithful to, to pray those prayers and, and to listen and, and to wait, if He's not speaking, we just, we, you, you keep going. And you keep praying those things. And you keep seeking Him. And you keep, you keep that up. We're, we become like persistent. We become like those people who are like, we're just knocking on the door constantly. We're knocking, we're knocking, we're knocking. We're, we're knocking by praying, praying through those circumstances. We're, we're going for it. We're seeking Him. We're seeking Him. We're seeking Him. And if we're faithful to do that over and over and over again, to wait and to listen and to wait and to listen, then at the very right, perfect moment, in the right, exact way that we need it, He responds somehow. And maybe it is almost audibly like that. Maybe it's through a change in circumstance. Maybe it's a 
through a change in emotion. It happens so many different ways, but He always responds. Too many of us give up too soon, don't we? Because we want, it, we want it right now. We want to know exactly what we need to do, all that kind of stuff. And what we really need to do is just continue to abide, continue to listen to Him, continue to be there, continue to be in that place where we, we don't forget the first column or the second column. So we can't just, just give up. He always, always responds to us. That's, that's life in the kingdom. Life in the kingdom, um, our, our obedience, our love for Him, our devotion to Him is not contingent on Him like, giving us the right answers or Him like, answer, like, doing exactly what we want. You know? He's not a genie. Like, he doesn't have to do that. And so we can't, we, can't be, like, we can't be immature in our seeking of the Lord where we're asking Him to speak into it, but it's all in our terms and our time. And if he says something we don't like, we just kind of give up and do what we want anyway. That's that's not what we're going for. That prayer arc has a tremendous amount of humility and teachability and a, a ton of, of understanding that he is the God of the universe. And we are adopted kids who are there only by his grace. You know? And so as we pray for things, we just we just persist and we just keep going. Now, luckily, luckily for them, they got an immediate answer. And that's tremendous. And, uh, and we'll see, uh, we're not gonna finish the whole story today, we're gonna do the next part of it next week. Um, but we'll see why that's such a good thing, but look at the next couple verses, uh, as I wrap this up. Um, so after hearing, uh, the prophet basically say, uh, you gotta show up for battle, but you're not gonna have to fight. But you, but you still have to show up. Like, you need to do that. And just watch the Lord, um, one of the, uh, one of the study Bibles I saw called him the divine warrior. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Uh, watch him show off and do his thing. And this is their reaction. Verse 18. It says, Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the Kohanites and the Kohatites uh, stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. See, that's their... That's their response. Now, certainly, certainly, if, if, if you, you pray, you get to that point and the Lord speaks, I can understand why this evoke of gratitude and worship and just this thanksgiving would be there. It's a little bit harder when you get to that point and, and his response is to be silent. Which is, most of the time, you know, kind of be like, just, just wait. Keep asking, but just, just wait. It's not time yet. I'll speak into it when it's time. Just keep, be, just be faithful. Just be faithful. It's a little bit harder when, when you get there and, you, and you're a little bit frustrated because, you know, whatever. But that's why we continue to go on living this life of worship, this life that is just for His glory. And so, um, when you get to that, when you get to that point, the response is worship, whether it's a response to silence or a response to very specific direction is for us to go on living a life that just redirects people to Him, that is for His glory, that just displays His worth to us. And so, he, He's worth so much to us that we don't get all hung up on in did He answer me or not? And how did He answer me? And how specific was He or whatever? We don't get hung up in the results um, because we're so absolutely blown away by the fact that the King of the universe says, come into my courts, I know, you, I know your name. And you know my name. And I want to walk with you through this situation. 
When we lose sight of when we lose sight of that, that's when we stop praying. The Jesus Christ Himself tells us to boldly approach His throne of what grace with what confidence, so that we might may find mercy, help in our time of need. He says. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. And my question for myself is, why don't I do that? Why don't I do that more? Why am I, however old I am, why am I still at this point and I'm still being like, oh man, and in 2012, I need to pray more. It's like, at what point? But like, man, I think I finally made some progress in this area. Why? Because, because we're always growing and we're always being sanctified and we're always going deeper with the Lord. Um, but the thing is, like, why, why, do, why don't I just live at His feet? Just live in, in the courts, in the Him, where He says, approach the throne of grace. Why don't I just like, abide, set up, build a house at the foot of the throne of grace? That's where we need to live. When we do, that prayer arc is totally natural. That waiting and listening, totally, totally normal. That response of worship, no matter what the response Completely, that's just like, that's every day in the kingdom. That's, that's, that's how it is. That's how it works. And so I know, I know with the start of a new year, and, there, and you kind of, you do have that like resolution, like this is a new, you know, a new chapter, a new whatever. Um, I, I hope that for us as a church, like this, I hope this is a new season of like just a deeper prayer life for us, a deeper abiding. Um, just more, more taking the king up on his, on his instruction to boldly approach his throne of grace with confidence. And so this isn't a plug for 30 days of prayer, and that starts like next week, and we'll we'll get to all that. This is really, uh, I think, what God has for us tonight, because I, I think He's ready to take us to a deeper place. But we have to be just blown away by the opportunity that's in front of us. We need to be challenged and convicted by the fact that we really we don't. Take advantage of that. And I said take advantage in a holy way, okay, not in a self-centered way. Take advantage of that. Take him up on his offer. He would not say, approach my throne of grace with confidence if that were not completely for our good. If that were not completely where we need to be, he would not draw us near. And so I hope for me, for you, uh, that this that this is encouraging, this is challenging, and that we can learn from it. Uh, it's, not, it's not a random thing. Uh, would you would you pray with me? Let's pray together. God, what an what an amazing uh, what an amazing story in the Old Testament. What a great example, Jehoshaphat. He really just seemed to understand uh, so much, so much wisdom there. I'm grateful that you made sure we would have this story, and this example to learn from uh, that you would teach us and as we, um, we as we just continue just to walk uh, down the paths of righteousness that you're leading us down uh, for your namesake that I ask that you would just continue to teach us how to pray we're, we're just like those disciples who looked at they looked at Jesus and they said we need to know how to do that that guy lives, he lives in the kingdom of heaven. We need to know how to do that. 
So we ask that you would teach us. I pray that the the starting point for that would be just a a deeper um, treasuring and valuing of, of the invitation that you extend to us. We have the King of the universe looking us square in the eye and saying, come, come to me. You're weary, you're tired, come to me. Things are going really, really well. Come to me so that that success doesn't get misplaced in your life. No matter what happens in the circumstances and whatever our reactions are to it, we would just set our faces to you and recognize exactly who it is that says, come to my throne of grace confidently. You'll find exactly what you need. You just spend a few minutes talking, listening to the Lord. We'll stand and sing in just a second.